uh, to connect and uh, help keep each other accountable and uh, and work on uh, being healthy the Lord's way. And so it's a very, very uh, good group. This Sunday, the 21st, is our SMTI graduation Sunday, and uh, that's going to be an excellent, excellent service. Uh, everybody that's gone through the Bible school this past year will be graduating this Sunday at the 10 a.m. service, so let's be there to celebrate with them and, and cheer them on in it. It's going to be a phenomenal time together. And then this coming week is going to be the Lift Family Picnic in the Park. Who's excited for a picnic in the park? Does that sound good? Amen. Well, let's look at next week's weather forecast and the temperatures are going to dip a little. So now we can be really excited for the picnic in the park. It's going to be even better. So 6 to 8 p.m. on Monday the 22nd at H Street Park. And so bring some food for your family, maybe a little extra to share. Uh, the kids and everyone's going to be playing games and having a great time. So don't miss out on the picnic at the park. And our last announcement tonight is Reverend Ray and Janine Bench are coming in from Midland, Michigan uh, next Sunday, all right? They'll be here at the 10 a.m. and the 6 p.m. service. And Ray and Janine have been great friends of this ministry, especially Ray. He's been coming here for 12, 13 years every year. And they are just a dynamic uh, ministry couple for the Lord. And his specialty area is teaching on serving in the ministry of helps. And uh, he used to be in charge of uh, Dr. Mark Barclay. He managed the business administration of the ministry. So very successful and awesome man. You don't want to miss out on them being here. Amen. All right. Well, that's all the announcements for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Happy time. Amen. It is happy time. Yes. And if you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will be more than happy to give you one. And we're going to open up our Bibles tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9. And we are literally going to look at the verse that uh, makes us say happy time. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 7 in the NLT. 2 Corinthians Chapter 9 and verse 7 in LT. And the entire chapter of 2 Corinthians 9 is a great uh, chapter for uh, offerings. And that's what the whole thing is about. But this verse in particular is a, a famous one that kind of sticks out to us, right? So 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, it says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And so, you know, the tithe, God already told us what that is. I don't decide what the tithe is. God decided that is 10% of my income. But when it comes to the offering, who decides what the offering is? What does you do? You choose in your heart what it is the offering is going to be that you give. And then he goes on to say, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I don't like it when someone puts a guilt trip on me, do you? And someone, you know, puts pressure and if you don't do it now, we're all going down. And, and the doors are going to close. And, and nobody wants that. That's not the reason to give. No. And what's the reason to give? It says right here, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. And so if the Bible tells me there's something that God loves, I'm like, hey. Count me in. I want to be that. Whatever it is, that's what I want to be. And in this case, it says he loves a cheerful giver. And so that's why we say happy time. That's why we get so excited when we have a chance to come on up and put in our tithes and our offerings. Because we know without him, we have nothing to give anyway. It all comes from.
so I've got absolutely no problem in giving a piece back to him because I know where my blessing comes from. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's all man. Love you, man. All right. Hey, let's stand up and we are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. We're going to get into some worship. And tonight is the third Wednesday of the month, so that means it is Communion Wednesday. And so uh, we're going to be taking communion here in the sanctuary. Anybody online is invited to receive communion with us also. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe you receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
influence as many people as we can for you and to be able to live the life that you paid the price for us to live for. Said so above all else, you want us to prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. Thank you for this people that we influence here, learning to obey what you tell them to do from your word, Lord, and by your spirit. Thank you for tonight. It's going to be awesome, Jesus. And a lot of people are going to be helping us. Years ago, what he said, 
he talked about you know some horses, different kinds of horses. He said he said a nag is easy to ride and won't throw you off because they don't really move. They just kind of just they'll kind of plow along. He said with a racehorse you can win races, but they might throw you off and buck you some because they're kind of hard to ride. Well, I was more of a racehorse than a nag. There's some place in between where you can have the power and the goods to go and win some races, yet still no one to hold back. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to learn how to be a pacer and walk with Him. And so I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. And I, I've learned from verses like this and how to pace myself and walk with Jesus hand in hand so I could receive his plan of purpose to come to pass in my life. How many believe that God has a plan of purpose for your life? Amen. Not just to exist, not just to barely get along, not just to all the time be on defense and fighting off the devil, fighting off the devil. But to be out there taking some ground. Amen. Taking ground for the kingdom of God. And the way you take ground for the kingdom of God is as you're living for Him, people see your life. And you know, I, I, I know so many people in here, you like to I think about Dave McNeil. The guy, the guy always just impresses me. He's around a lot of different people, things he does. And I know his character that people say, what's different about that man? I want what he's got. I want what he's got. That's the best Christian witness at any of you. I think about Doug. I've actually had about so many of you out there that God looks at your lives and your positions of influence with people in the public and the people you deal with, and they always think about you. What's different? I want that. I want what he's got. I want what she's got. That's the best Christian witness there is. I remember when I was when I was a young Christian, well, actually my family, I don't I can't hit everybody's close to make it real quick. Uh, when I was a kid, my grandma took me to church, good church, salvation. But they used to have this, whatever by the week was, Monday night or something, they called it uh, visitation. And we all had little cards in our hand. We'd knock on people's door. And when they answered the door, they let us talk to them. What would you do if you stood in front of God today and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? And so there was cards to read, verses to quote like that. And all the people did look like little robots sitting there. And like that, most of the time, all you got was the door. <laughs> Get out of here. But I found out over 43 years of living for Jesus, all that time as a minister, the best witness there is, is when people see you as your family person, and you raise your family to follow Jesus, and they see your life, and they ask you, well, how come when your kids are in the store, they're not on the floor throwing fits and jumping around and screaming and hollering, and then you're reaching in your purse, you're getting your keys to play with, you're getting your phone to play with, or letting them grab the candy bars off the shelves and you're fighting for money to pay for those things. Why do your kids just sit there like that? See, that's a Christian witness when you raise your children right and people are looking at you. And that's the best kind of witness there is. And so we've learned some things over the years and how to do things. But in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11, Paul said, And we desire that every one of you, that means me, that means you, every one of you, you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end 
That means stick with it. Stick with your Christian life, your faith, the things you're doing to get answers. And then be not slothful. Don't be lazy. But be followers of them. Now look at this. Through faith and patience. Faith and patience. Inherit the promises. And I, I think about when I was first saved, there was a man I, I really, I really respect still in the ministry today. He wrote a little mini book called Faith and Patience, the Power of Twins. Faith and Patience, the Power of Twins. They work together. All through the Bible, you're going to see that faith and patience go hand in hand for the promise of God to come to pass. Then I heard another man uh, taught a series on what do you do between the amen and the there it is. How many of you ever noticed when you pray the prayer of faith, that's not hard to do. You know the word of God, what God's word says. You speak to the mountain, you pray the prayer of faith, say, in Jesus' name, amen, it's done. But sometimes it takes 10 years for the, 10 years for the there it is. Amen. Sometimes you see something, you know it's yours. It was 10 years before I was a pastor. I tried to make it happen after two years. Amen. I got an ear cut off. They thought I had a broken neck because I was out of the will of God trying to make things work. And I really got tore up bad. And I got this ear sold back on and got received this deal with my neck pretty much. But the thing was, I was out of the will of God trying to do things without the anointing. Wasn't doing bad things, just got ahead of God in life. And so things happen. And so faith and patience, you must learn the value of patience. Now we're going to talk about patience in probably a way that you have never thought of. And so through faith and patience inherit the promises, that means the things that God shows you in His Word. And, and, and let, let me tell you how that works. I'll be preaching tonight, somebody else will. You might be listening to a TV preacher, internet, or you might be reading a faith book or the Bible, and all the words in there are God talking. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, one of those things just hits you right in the gut. Think, wow! That's for me. God wants me to have that. I can do that. That belongs to me. Well, guess what? The promise just lit up in your spirit. But just because it lit up, you don't have it. Then you've got to use your faith to claim it. You ever heard the word, I claim the promises? You ever heard that? I claim it? Well, then you claim it. Say, that's mine, Jesus. I want to thank you. Whatever it is you saw, might be healing, might be a ministry, might be a job. Something jumped off of you. You know, that's mine. But once you prayed that perfect said amen, then you've got to do some things before there it is, before it shows up. And patience, 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 patience is a major key. And so it says then in verse 13, for when God made promise to Abraham, you remember God promised Abraham when he was 75 years old, he was going to have a son. And him and Sarah, him and Sarah had never even been able to have one baby. And most 75-year-old women, I, I don't want them. <laughs> and I've heard too publicly. Uh, come on, Mom, grin. <laughs> most, most 75-year-old women that were never able to conceive, to conceive, conceive, never all of a sudden miraculously at 98 years old get pregnant. Because that's how long was that promise in the past. So you have to understand the miracles took place, number one, whatever it was, that when she was in her 20s, 30s, 40s, was wrong and couldn't get pregnant, that had to be healed in her 90s. Then number two, it meant some old woman like the mother of the shoe, asked the kids to know what to do. It was still taking a miracle to get pregnant again in the 90s. 
Amen. And so Abraham received a promise that Sarah, that God told him Sarah, the promise was Sarah, is going to give you a son. And so because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely, blessing, this is God by myself, I will bless you, multiply, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, after he had patiently endured, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And so I want to say something if you think about this now. I'm going to tell you about patience in just a minute. But I was thinking about Abraham today, uh, and I was thinking about Adam and Eve. Now this is not a hit on the women in this church, or anybody watching out there. But remember, Eve got hold of Adam and said, let's do this. And they got in trouble. Well, so Sarah was getting impatient about the promise going to pass that God told her. So she said, well, maybe God wants us to do another half, another way, eh? He said, I've got, I've, I've got a handmaiden, a woman that serves me. Why don't you have some fun with her? And then she can give you a son. And so they got ahead of God and tried to do it in the flesh. And what they did, guess what? We still have the fallout of that mistake today. All across the world right now, there's things going on because of what Abraham and Sarah did. They got ahead of God. But the good thing was, the good thing was, they received their forgiveness, and then God went ahead and brought it to pass anyway, but it paid a big price for it. And so in our lives, if we stick with God, and when you get ahead of Him, you will be repentant and stay with the plan that God will bring it to pass as long as you live long enough. Amen. Amen. And so I want to tell you about this patience after you patiently endured. It says patience... It more, it's more than just not quitting. Amen. It's more than just not quitting. Patience is being constant in fighting the good fight of faith. You're not just doing nothing while you're waiting for these promises to come to pass. God does something in your heart. The devil wants to stop it. And if you don't fight the good fight of faith, you're never going to get it. That's patience. You're being constant. You're staying a faith person. You're staying in church. You're staying in the Word. And so also uh, patience is being consistent and living morally right. And all you know to do that God wants you to do every day. You're being constant and consistent. Patience isn't just say, well, okay, God told me this is what he wants to do. So I'll just go ahead and go about my life. And I'll go out here. I'll look back up at the world and just look like I want to. Do what I need to do to make a good living. You know, I'm just, you know, I don't have time for church now. God told me that. And that's the will of God that's going to come to pass. I can live like a heathen if I want to, but it'll come to pass because God said so. No, it says that Abraham, through faith and patience, he endured. He kept on serving God, whether it looked like we're real or not. And, you know, that's like a lot of times we're paying like I did just now. I said, Jesus, we know you're real. We know you're in heaven and you're in our heart, Jesus. We know that. Because we as believers, the greatest level of faith the Bible teaches is when you serve him, believe him, although you don't feel him. And you don't see him. That's why he says we walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by feelings. By feelings. I learned a long time ago, the more uh, dead I feel spiritually is the more I got about faith crazy. When I, when, I, when, I, when I go through a battle and believe in God for things, it looks like the whole world's against me. If th things aren't going right, I will stop. I'll close my eyes. And uh, I can't leave the worship here because uh, Josh won't let me. 
I wouldn't want to run, and I wouldn't want to run people off. I got my anointing. I got my anointing, and my worship anointing is called works best in the morning in the shower. And and I can work in my faith when under pressure. And so I've learned. I've learned in my faith and patience world I live in. When I feel dull, does anybody decide here to feel dull like man? I don't even feel safe today. I've given so many altar calls when I'm up here, and I've said, "My these hands laid on for this, 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 and this." I've, so many times I'm going to turn out just like this. <laughs> That's for me. And we do the salvation prayer. We do the salvation prayer. I pray that prayer when Pastor Dave does it out in, in, in the anointed service. He prays that prayer. And I pray. I say, Father, that's for me. I believe in my heart. I say, Jesus, thank you. And that's how our life is. We don't live by feelings. You cannot quit just because you don't feel God today. I'll never forget back in Bible school in 1983. (laughs) I I love this pastor that taught this class on prayer. He was talking along the lines of what I talk about about Christians live by goosebumps. Has anybody ever had goosebumps? I've had a few. Anybody ever had the hair stand up on the back of your neck and just feel the presence of God? And they just feel really good? Well, he made this statement one day, so I stuck with it. He said, the Word of God is the only thing you need to assure you that God's hearing you and answering your prayers. And then he said this, when you're praying, if you got to have goosebumps, know God's listening, get a block of ice to sit on it. standing on 
because sometimes Satan will influence people to give you a rough time. I want to say that again. Sometimes Satan will send people to give you a rough time. And the absolute wrong thing, worst thing you could ever do is say, I hate them. So as you say that, you stepped out of faith. That's right. You stepped out of love. And faith works by love. And so while you're being constant and consistent in watching God bring things past your life, you can't quit being a Christian. That's right. Christians don't hate Christians love. Christians says an opportunity when mean people cross their path. I can tell you so many stories on that. If you've been in this church very long, you've heard some of my stories. My whole thing was, man, the meaner they were, the more loving I got. And the more loving I got, like they'll say, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, the bigger they were in the mean arena, the harder they fell for Jesus in my arena. That's what I brought them into. But you can't be a person of faith while you're a person of faith. Now go over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 36. I've just shown you some verses to stand on. If you've been having a tough time in patience and wanting to give up, write these verses down. Go back and look at them again on YouTube or Facebook and write these down. Read them out loud. Write them on three by five cards. Put them on your phone. Uh, in these modern times, they're the cards. What I've done a lot of times now, I do what some of you guys do. I take pictures of them so they're on my phone. I go back to pictures real easy to see that verse right off my phone now. And so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says this. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense and reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, that after you've done the will of God, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You need to do all that you know is in line with the word, to follow God's word and what he's put in your heart. But he says, cast out away there for your confidence. And so I want to say this. Don't throw your confidence or your faith in God's promises in the trash. And walk away. And then badmouth God, badmouth your church, badmouth preachers. Bad mouth fellow believers and just to turn into a mean, venomous, nasty believer. Has anybody ever crossed the path of Christians that got mad at God and blamed the church? Blamed other Christians? Blamed preachers that hated everything that had anything to do with God? They cast away their confidence. And when they cast away their confidence in God's promises, they took their eyes off of Jesus and His Word. And let the devil take over and ruin their lives. Yeah. I want to say that again. If your confidence and your faith was in God's promises, He spoke to your heart. If God told you in Acts 16 31, I'll save you and save your house, don't get mad at God if they still want to do drugs, alcohol, and still be mean people. You walk in love, don't get mad at God. God's working. He said He'd save your family. Stick with it, keep confessing. If they turn on you, they throw verbal darts, darts at you, they attack you and call you names because you're such a good Christian. And I thought, see, they, that's how they say, goody, goody, two-shoe. You think you're such a good Christian? You don't brag about being a good Christian. You're a Christian. And people that told you know you're a good Christian because you know the tree bites fruit. But your fruit is convicting them. Oh, so you're too good to party with us now? 
we, we, we pioneered a church in a little, little hip town, and we were, didn't know anybody there because God sent us down there. At 12,000 people in the whole area, we pastored a church at our one-year anniversary. This was a big thing down there. I had 100 people in my church. There's churches that have been there for years, had 20 people, 30 people, and I'm not comparing numbers, but I remember, I remember after 10 years of fighting the good fight of faith to finally get out where God could use in the ministry, my best friend said, well, Bertie, you're an overnight success. I said, it was a long night. <laughs> and so I'm telling you, in your lives, there's things you might be going through right now, but if you do the things we're talking about, when this thing's over with, and people see the testimony in your life because you passed the test, then some people are going to say, wow, that was quick. I said, man, how did you guys do that so quick? And you're just thinking, man, man, where you been? You haven't seen the life I've had to go through the last five years, the price we paid to get where we are, but we didn't quit. We stuck with God. We stuck with His Word. We stuck with His church. We stuck with doing right. But we were tempted to compromise and walk away from spiritual things, but natural things first. We were tempted to go do those other things and let loose. We didn't cast our confidence away. Amen. Things come to pass. That's a good time to clap if you want to. Amen. I, I want to look at one more place. Now look at James chapter 1, verse 4. One look over. James 1 verse 4, and this is verses I learned as a baby Christian that carried me through some serious crises in life. But let patience have her perfect work, they may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. And so what that says is this, you have the word perfect twice, there's two different words. But let patience have her complete work, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Let patience have our complete work. You stick with patience and let patience keep on doing what patience is doing. Patience is helping you not to quit. Patience is helping you to stay faithful. Patience is helping you to not cast away your confidence. And then as that's happening, you're maturing. And so while you allow your patience to grow and develop fully, your faith will grow stronger and you will mature as a believer. You will mature as a believer. Believers that have went through tough battles and stayed with Jesus, the faith, and all they do to do, that's when you mature. When you pass the test, you mature. What happens in school when they get the finals? They get promoted to the next class because they learned what they're supposed to learn that year. And then they took the test, they passed the test, they're the next grade. And so in your life as a Christian, you can go through school uh, spiritual school really quickly if you choose to pass the test. Amen. And there's some, there's some people that are Jeffrey Bodines. If you ever watch the Beverly Hillbillies, 25 years old, in the whatever grade he's in, the first grade, the third grade, or something, he's so proud. He's still in the same grade. He's getting educated. Well, some Christians are bragging, man. I've sat in the same seat for 40 years in that church. Well, you ever get on your seat and do anything? Amen. So anyway, let it have a perfect word. And I'm going to show you one thing before we take communion. Look at Colossians chapter 1. And just want to show you one part of this. 
help you understand that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. Uh, Pastor Dave's talking about the book of Colossians a lot. But 9 through 14 is a really good prayer for believers to pray as we look at life and the challenges of life and what to do to succeed. But I, I want to I I zero in for the sake of time for what we're doing for verse 11. Here's part of that prayer as a believer. You're asking the Lord to strengthen you with all might, that's his might, according to his glorious power. Now look at this, under all patience and long-suffering. Patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. And so there must be a difference between patience and long-suffering, or he just said patience, or he just said long-suffering. Different patience and long-suffering is this. Patience has to do with going through hard times, hard circumstances, you're laid off, had some kind of a, a problem where bad things happened in your life, or the car motor blew up or something, you're leaving God for the car motor, or something's happened where you're just really fighting life and it's hard. Long-suffering has to do with mean people that are giving you a hard time. Sometimes you have to suffer long on a job you love because the one working next to you or clocks in with you can't stand you. Have I ever been there? Believe me. Believe me. You want to suffer long where you are and pass that people test because you do what I did one time. It'll cost you dearly. I had a guy that boss one time. I'm going to story but not just, just won't elaborate. Man cussed me out, lied about me, just really treat me like a dog every day. And so I decided I was going to get a better job. Well, I thought I worked for the devil. But when I got the better job, I found out who the devil really was. I should have stayed and suffered long. So I got through that job and got promoted because it was rough. So if you're going through a hard time, let patience keep you strengthened. Stay constant, consistent. If you're dealing with difficult people, back in on your knees, fast if you have to, pray. Find the devil, lose the peace of God, asking how ways you can love those people, be nice to them, and what you got to do is stay put until God says, okay, pass this class. I'm going to walk it out. Amen. 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 All right, let's, let's stand up. We'll get ready to take communion. Anyway, that's a good prayer to pray for yourself. If you're going through a hard time, begin to pray the words of that prayer right there. It will help you. Amen. All right. As we prepare for communion, I think everybody here pretty much knows the routine. Uh, you begin to come up here and get the elements. And then I'll read some words of faith. And we'll take communion together.
Corinthians 11. It's, it's, it should be a familiar passage, which you might not if you go to this church. But it's Paul's instructions by the Holy Spirit on how to receive communion God's way. So committed to you. The Lord never does anything just to do it. And we do our best for our church not just to do things because it's a tradition the churches do, but we do things because it's something the Bible says to do help people with that victorious Christian life. But he tells us that communion time to examine ourselves before we eat the bread and break the cup. And it said what we do, if we follow his instructions here, then we'll be doing this in a worthy manner. And so what that's saying to me is that tonight, I thought what I thought was a pretty simple lesson, but I think it could have been a convicting lesson for somebody. I uh, know that mistakes I've made by getting ahead of God in life at different times, and that other Christians I've seen that got the hate mode and hated Christians and hated people. When you do that, you're getting out of the blessing of God. And so it says, but examine yourself. If something that the Holy Spirit inspired me to say tonight convicted you, if you see that you've had malice, or bad feelings or words towards fellow believers or even non-Christians because God doesn't want you to hate anybody. If you've had bad, harsh words, if you give somebody a piece of your mind, said, well, I just, I, I told them I had the last word. Well, maybe your last word if you don't straighten up. I don't say that lightly. And so if you're convicted about something, if you can see now that you're in a place in life because you got ahead of God. Has you been mad at God? Are you been mad at churches or Christians or preachers or other believers and, and blaming your mistakes on somebody else? But now you're saying, that was me, I did that, I got out there ahead of God where I shouldn't have been and I, I helped bring this on myself. Anyway, if something, if something convicted you, he says, examine yourself. Ask the Lord for forgiveness and receive forgiveness and you're ready to go up with God. Amen. Can you see that? So just bow your heads and do that. If there's something there you need to deal with, deal with it. And then we'll get you back under the anointing of blessing with God because you did business with Him today.
and you'll be able to get all the blessing of God in your life. Amen. And so, uh, the Bible says, And when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broke for you. This do in remembrance of me.